Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Hey, it's Michael. Uh, normally, I don't record introductions for my show, but this episode, I thought I would based on who I interviewed. Since 1979, the name Steve Anthony has been recognized in media markets around the world for his accomplishments and his high standards. In Canada, Steve Anthony is an award-winning radio and television broadcaster and host. I'm sure you know him as founding VJ of Much Music. He also was co-founder, uh, co-host of Breakfast Television, uh, Canada's number one uh, morning show. Uh, also, you know, several years at CP24, uh, which is where I got to know him. Uh, and just amazing, amazing work that he has done in the media space. Uh, and even, you know, from history, you know, he took over the morning slot at 97.7 CHOM in Montreal that replaced Howard Stern on that market. So needless to say, if you're kicking Howard Stern out of a time slot, you must be doing something right. Since he's left CP24, he's been doing all kinds of different things, um, and he's devoted his time to some new business ventures, as you're going to hear about in today's conversation. Um, he is really passionate about helping small businesses and take on the Amazons of the world, and, and he's going to talk about direct co-ops and the amazing work that they do in the small business space to level the playing field so small businesses can not only survive but thrive. And he's also going to talk about Trellis Canna, uh, his uh, medical marijuana uh, endeavor, um, which is heartwarming. And, and again, you'll learn from this conversation with Steve, you know, his passions have purpose and he's got a method to the way that he does things and very, very methodical. Uh, and I, I think that you're going to enjoy this interview as much as I did. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Steve. Great to have you on the show. Michael, thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure and it's an honor. And I mean that from the heart of my bottom. There you go. Uh, big fan of your work. You know, I Thank came you. to Canada, you know, originally from the States, immigrated to Canada in 2004. So I missed, unfortunately, the much music days, but definitely was well aware of the CP24 days and all Thank the other you. stuff that went on and, you know, amazing work. And it, it speaks to your character and, and how you were able to segment from you know, similar but different industries and roles and in, in do the things, which, of course, leads into the work that you're doing today. So uh, definitely miss seeing you in the mornings, uh, but I'm glad we're seeing you in the afternoon as we record this. So, Well, thank you. It, it, it really is a pleasure. And um, uh, just to give you a little fast history, um, with CP24, uh, <laughs> there was a, a, an understanding between myself and my wife that um, I would do it for five years because we were going to move out of the city. It was just like, it was time to move out. And uh, I extended that stay for another four and a half years or so. So um, when, when, when my wife said, time to go, uh, it was time to go. We, we, we'd succeeded in being very successful on CP24 Breakfast. So I didn't really have, I didn't have um, much more to prove in that sense. So um, it was time to go. So we, we, we packed up our bags. We packed up my, my notoriety or whatever that, you know, whatever cachet I had. And, and we moved out to the country. And so that was kind of 
what we're talking about now, the, the one thing that I think I walked away with with all the years on this music and the CB20 for breakfast is I've got some credibility and I, I've got, uh, I got to the point where people would take my phone call. If I wanted to get hold of somebody in the prime minister's office, I could pick up the phone or write an email and I would get through to them. So that was kind of my cachet. Mm-hmm. So all those things during the last 10 years that started to interest me, um, th- those, those industries kind of ended up coming to me saying, you know, now that you're leaving TV, how about working with us? And it, it, and I, I picked them deliberately, especially, I guess, one of them we're going to talk about is, is this direct co-ops, which is trying to help small and medium-sized businesses, because as you introduced, it, it really is a tough time right now for small and medium-sized businesses. I don't know how, I don't know how a major portion of them are going to come out on the other side. Yeah, it's it's alarming to me, and you know, for myself, uh, you know, being in Toronto, whenever I order food from a restaurant, I am aiming for independent, you know, single owned or maybe they own a couple locations types right. of restaurants. The products and services, doing as much local as I possibly can, because I know it's been with this pandemic the playing field has not been even and, you know, not to get into political things and all of that stuff, but there's definitely been an imbalance and I'm, I'm with you, you know, even walking downtown, I have an office downtown and walking by all of the closed restaurants and all of that. I'm thinking, what is this town going to look like once this pandemic is done and people can return? Uh, What's it going to look like? You know, how, who's going to be around? And it's, it's, it's devastating what's happened to small businesses. The, 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 I just thought, of this an epiphany the analogy that i'm drawing is is um and i think you know it's got to do with COVID 19. we know from reliable sources how many people are testing positive you know what the what the positivity rate is and how many people are dying tragically um but we don't see it like we we see the numbers but we don't see people in the morgue we don't see people who died we don't we just you're a number, and a lot of people have become completely numb to it. It's just another thing. It's another number that it doesn't really attach to people. There are people who are dead. There are people who got sick and may have, have lasting issues for forever and ever. And it's the same thing with small businesses. People are not paying attention right now. When you walk down the street, the evidence of what is going on here with small businesses, they're going to see the doors shuttered. They're going to see, you know, the, the paper up on the windows waiting for a new tenant because that, that small business couldn't survive. It, it really is... It, 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 it could we have seen this coming? You know, when you're putting together a business plan or whatever the case may be, I'm not everybody watching right now or listening right now is going to do that. But you, you put in a risk part. Like, you know, you say, what are your risks? Because anybody who wants to be, get involved with your investor, the amount of the risk, who would put down? We're not going to be in business for 18 months or two years because there's going to be a global pandemic. Who could have, you know, we know now in retrospect that, you know, well, pandemic will come. It's inevitable. You know, we'll eventually we'll have it. But yeah, one thing we're talking and, and some preparedness about it, you know, global pandemic, and actually moving through it, two entirely different things. We're like we're in the belly of the beast right now with this, and it's still, and it's still. This is what's scary. Like, you know, my partner, my wife, and I are talking about it. It's like the moment you see a a light at the end of the tunnel, the light just goes further and further away because we've got all these, you know, these variants that are going to be happening, and whether or not whether or not the vaccines they have now are going to work. And if they don't, because we're still doing stuff about the first COVID, um, you know, the coronavirus. So, you know, the, the light at the end of the time is further and further away. It's like, it's like in The Shining, you know, The Shining where that, 
kid is on his bicycle and he's going in the door and the hallway just gets longer and longer. It's kind of like that. Like, what are we going to get to that light? So anyway, um, to, to the reason I'm bringing this up and I have a passion for it. I just had a, had a passion for it is, is the, the guys at direct co-ops, which I've been part of for a bunch of years now. They've been trying to help um, small business, small employees, small and medium businesses for years. And they kind of developed this, this uh, whole thing where whereby, as you were mentioning, and truly no offense to you or anybody who wants to buy local and they're told to buy local. This sounds like a monologue. I'm sorry. My boss. <laughs> I didn't. Okay. It's all right. No worries. It's okay. all good. Okay. So um, we, we've always been encouraged to buy local. Um, you know, it's always kind of been, you know, there's right and there's wrong. And then in the back of your mind, well, buy local. We've always known that. It has become far more impactful now because you realize that not buying local could be the difference between a business surviving and not surviving in, in these days and modern times of COVID-19 days of coronavirus. But the the reason people didn't always do that before was because unfortunately, the local businesses cannot compete on price point or convenience with the, the Amazons of the world. Um, I, I'm, I have nothing against um, uh, capitalism and all that and uh, you know, Jeff Bezos now making a race to the moon with Elon Musk because he's got so much money. You know, okay, that, that's fine. Um, but because he, because there's such a huge buying power that they have, there's no way for the little guy to compete. So the guys that I work with, they figured, okay, what we got to do is we have to figure out how to compete. What is it that Amazon does? So they put this whole idea platform together multi-layered where it's a buying group it's a cooperative but um you know tom's hardware store if he's got to get supplies he's got to stock his shelves and cost him his wholesale price but that's way more than amazon's going to sell the same products for him. so what if we have tom and bill and george and you know 50 or 100 other of these hardware stores and we all get together all of a sudden we can buy the bulbs that they need at less than what Amazon is getting theirs at, because we'll negotiate, that's what we do. And then they can stock the shelves and their price point is the same. Then we give them a website so they can do that. All of a sudden, Amazon becomes something that's on the level playing field with the local guy. So that was the concept, and that's what's been executed and being very successful. It's amazing that uh, they came up with this. Uh, and you know, I've been part of buying groups before, obviously, in a you know smaller scale. Usually it was around... HR or PR or payroll types of services and things right. like that. But uh, for hardware stores and other small businesses that you know are trying to establish a footprint in their community and and work for themselves and do all these great things, to be able to have that available to them where they can buy things, like you said, cheaper than what Amazon is paying right. for them and offer it at a price that is yeah, almost identical or maybe even a little bit less depending on the situation than what Amazon charges, people are going to go, well, I can pick this up at Tom's Hardware and I can pick it up right now or I can order something from Amazon and depending if they got Prime or not, they might right. get it in a day or two. But well, we're, the only truck here, we're, we're actually working because there's another, another level to it is that um, we've created uh, a driver platform. Drive nice. Platform. So, yes, as we roll it out, um, it 
it's going to compete with Uber and Lyft and yes, the billion dollar industries and all that. But there isn't a driver in, there isn't a driver anywhere that doesn't have both Uber and Lyft apps on his phone. Nobody's got an exclusive. So there's no reason for them not to have the, the local driver app that we have. And we're going to try and aim for smaller towns that just don't have Uber and Lyft, you know, like around here, um, you know, Belleville, for example, they don't have it or or Brantford, they don't have that. So we can start there to get the name out, but those drivers are also our delivery service. They become a local driver, eats local driver delivery service. So, you know, if you want something delivered instead of that hardware store having to, you know, you having to go to that hardware store, you can actually get it delivered at a minimal, minimal cost, though Amazon is free, we get that. But still, those people who want to buy local but just can't because the price point doesn't match it, well, okay, we're trying to match the point. And what about the convenience of delivery? Well, we can do that too because we have a service that will deliver to your door. So it's multi-layered and, and sometimes people get a little, not that you would be, but people get a little little um, intimidated by how many levels of what it is that direct co-ops is trying to do. But we've had great successes. It's um, and, and we are. We've got members worldwide. And we are kind of like the, the master recognized buying group for um, like the, the biggest agriculture um, co-op in the United States of America. So we would negotiate cost of feed, you know, it is a kennel, kennel ration um, horse feed. What do you, you're, in a, you're in a pig chow. There we go. Yeah, we can get pure in a pig chow cheaper than anyone else can. And if that's what they need, that's what they, as part of the platform, uh, we go for. And and again, they they people can talk to each other. It's a it, it, because it's a cooperative, and because we have this platform, um, all the hardware stores can talk amongst themselves. That whole platform is there of interaction. So it's not just you know Tom's hardware store out there on an island. Um, Tom has communication with all the other hardware stores. And if Tom wanted to say, hey guys, you know what? The trend seems to be going in hardware stores that people want brass paper, brass coated screws. Anybody in? Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. So then we would go and negotiate a price for brass covered screws for them. They all get them. Um, so there's there's a voting platform. There you go. That's amazing. And you know, going back real quick to the delivery side of things, you not only from you know when you're in let's say Toronto, you know a lot of people you know don't use cars they use transit so if they have to go order something that's large that wouldn't necessarily fit comfortably on ttc well then they're renting a vehicle to go get it and all the costs with that so you have it delivered you don't have to worry about that and from a farming standpoint you know think about that okay you're getting everything delivered to you that allows you know the farm hands and the people working on the farm to continue working on the farm and not have to say well i got to drive into town to go pick up this and this you know, pay the extra whatever it is, have it delivered, dropped off, it's there. The time savings alone with that, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily look at that, but believe me, you know, the time savings means a ton of, if you're a business owner, it means you're not you know, allocating a staff member to go pick up things and bring it back. It's there, they unload it, it's done, back yeah. to business. Yeah. And it makes such a big difference. And I love the analogy about the collaboration of that. You don't get that. I, I can't call up other people that are shopping at Amazon saying, you know what, I want some brass screws. You know, I want to replace all the, you know, the screws and the knobs in my condo or something. Oh, 
okay, I'm not going to have that conversation. But as a business owner, you have a network of people and say, okay, this is a trend that I'm seeing. All of a sudden, all your network of people that are working in that industry are getting in early on a trend, which means they can capitalize it and make right. more money and save money at the same time and, and offer something that the consumer wants. And some, it's always amazing when you go into a store and you want something and it's there. And, and yeah, no, 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 precisely that. If if, if the if the, the item people um, are asking for is not available, they mention it to us. We negotiate it, and we get it, so it's available on their shelves. And and again, they don't even have to. A lot of the stuff they don't have to. They don't have to have the stock. They've also figured that out. We're going to have warehousing as well, so it's not as if um, you have to go to Tom's to get the. You know, brass covered screws. Tom's Tom's stock is not just at his store. Of course, he's got his shelves packed, but it's elsewhere. So it can be delivered from the same way that Amazon has a fulfillment center. We're going to be doing the same thing, and in, in in local areas. So um, we haven't got to that point yet because you know, logistically, it's a little bit a little problematic. Um, but but um, so. To get back to re to reiterate what is going on now is is everyone feels or many people feel that they should be buying local for all the right reasons, but eventually that idea hits the wall because I just can't pay twenty percent more when I can get it online from Amazon or Best Buy. I would love to support you, Bob. I don't have 20% more to keep doing it. I'll do it now because it's COVID-19, but eventually that's going to run out. So the, the only kind of um, platform, the only design that we can see working is the one we're talking about. Where, and, and again, it is a cooperative. So the, the, the store owners as members are part owners of the company. So the co-op model is, the, which has been around forever. I mean, co-op model has been around forever. Some of the most successful things in the world are the cooperative model. People somehow think that that's corny in some way, but you know, as you know, with the cooperative, the people who are the members are going to be owners of it. There's less hierarchy and you know, precedents and, and, and boards and all that stuff going down the line. This is a cooperative. Everybody is part of it. Everybody has a say. It's a democracy. One vote, one member, one vote. Blah 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 blah. So, in in a, in a world increasingly distant. And making people feel distant, um, this is our effort to try to um, make it a little more human. So, you know, we don't want a, a pat on the back for that. It's just, it's just reality. It's just realistic that that seems to be the only way that that small business is going to survive. Eventually, they're just going to get eaten up. A, a friend of mine, actually a former friend, because he's now an enemy of mine. <laughs> want to know his name? No, I won't go there. <laughs> if, if you want to share it, that's fine. No, I, I, won't, I, won't, I, won't, I won't. He said that Amazon is not the biggest. Not Amazon doesn't want to be the biggest retailer on the planet. They want to be the only retailer on the planet. And I drew that saying, you know what? Eventually what's going to happen if we don't do something about it is I'm going to be buying my groceries at the company grocery store to take it back in the company car. <laughs> To, you know, it's like company, company, and not, I went to this grocery store and went back in my Corolla. It's everything will be company. There'll be one retailer, you know, not necessarily with Alibaba and all these others, 
but yeah, um, th that's certainly his intent. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw this recently. It's just it's so egregious. <laughs> uh, Mike Myers and um, you know um, uh, Wayne's World. Uh, Mike Myers and uh, whatever his name is, they, uh, uh, Dana Car Dana, Dana Carvey. Car yeah, right. yeah. So so now, just yesterday, we were, there is an ad for Wayne's World, and it's for Uber Eats. So okay, it's fine. We spoke to people for it, but the push is that Uber Eats realizes in these, you know, horrible times that people are paying too much for delivery, blah blah blah. And so for the next seven days or whatever, it's it, they're they're offering reduced rates or whatever the case may be. It's because everyone knows the rest of us are getting killed because Uber Eats and DoorDash and all these people suck almost all of their profits out of their pockets. They're, they're, a lot of restaurants are just doing this because they have to, to stay in business. They have to keep having a cash flow, not because they're making lots of money, but so much of it is going to this delivery service. I mean, the mayor of Toronto, the premier of Ontario publicly said, hey, you delivery services, you've got to cut your rates because these small businesses are going out of business because they can't afford it, they're not making any money. When you have like a, a politician going online to say something like that, which they should have ages ago. Um, you know, you, you got a problem. Well, we, uh, let's talk about us as we're here for, our, our rate for delivery is like the drivers get 90%, 90% of what they make. And the, um, the, uh, the restaurants only have to get charged 5%, but basically we have to stay in business, right? We have to charge something. But we're looking at it from the point of view of A, we're not greedy, and B, volume will take care of that. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, I, I don't know, Jeff Bezos and, 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 um, and even Facebook. I mean, Facebook and Bezos, they had one of the biggest quarters ever this last, last quarter. I, I don't know, is Jeff Bezos $4 billion richer or is that, is that Mark Zuckerberg? I don't know. Um, but okay, I'm not going to begrudge people for making money and being rich and all that other stuff. But a, a lot of it is an expense of the little guy. So we're we're trying to stand up for them and give them a give them a, a, a way to not only survive but to thrive. No, and I applaud you and everybody involved with it for doing it. And even you know, going back real quick on on one of the things you mentioned about you know inventory and having a distribution center and things like that, that is also a huge cost savings for organizations because if they have to keep certain levels of stock, that means they need to have a bigger warehouse, which means it's a bigger footprint. They're paying more utilities, more land taxes, all of those things. If it's in a place where they can get it in a you know, reasonable time frame, that saves that small business a ton of money. Yeah. That means they don't have to build this big warehouse to store all the stuff they can grow, but still say or stay the same size as far as their storefront is concerned, or maybe, you know, they want to go something bigger if they want to, that's great. But mm -hmm. it, I, I, I what definitely comes out in the conversation so far is you guys are very methodical about the thinking around this and the planning and coming with ideas and, and knowing, okay, we're not there yet, but we know what the steps are for us to get mm -hmm. to that point. We know who the players are, and I agree, the co-op, you know, farming, credit unions, apartment buildings, co-ops have been around for a, a long, long time, and a lot of people don't even recognize it necessarily, but you know, the model is, is amazing, and it's, 
I don't want to call I, more or less. It's like self-governed in a way. It's like, okay, we're, we're all making these decisions and you don't have the red tape of boards of directors and their agendas and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it, right. it's, you know, it's definitely, you know, and I agree with you, I think in looking at the big picture of everything, I can't see another way unless there's a dramatic shift of how people buy things to take on an Amazon appropriately named um, in, in this type of world be, without, you know, leveling the playing field at some point and, and doing it in a way where people can say, okay, I want to support, you know, the small businesses. And, and, it make, and it makes sense for me to support it because it's not costing me anymore. All things being equal, as they say, all things being equal, why wouldn't they buy local? It's the fact that they're not equal. So, if we can make them equal, then the choice is obvious. I mean, if if you could buy this big pen and, and have it delivered to you in two days, I'm sorry, whatever. Buy this pen, big pen. You could buy it from you know Joe Blow's uh, pen store in your area, and get it in two days, or you could buy it from Amazon and get it in two days, and it's the exact same price. What are you going to do? Of course, you're not going to go if it's as convenient. If it's as convenient to get that pen at Bob's. Why would you go to Amazon if you're thinking in terms of, I want the little guy to survive? By the way, excuse me, my pop is making burp. Um, most people don't know this. Um, small, medium-sized businesses are actually not really small. They, I don't know what the exact number is, but a small business would be, would be defined as up to, I don't know the number, but certainly up to 1,000 employees. It would be a medium-sized business. I think it's 5,000. But 97 in North America, 97% of employment of people is in small businesses. Only 3% are in big businesses like whatever the case may be, the Walmart. 97% are small and medium-sized businesses. And those are the ones that are going down the toilet. And the 3% the three are just surviving and being bigger and bigger and bigger because of sheer volume and we don't have a cho- we don't have a choice. We want if we if we care about these businesses staying in business and having a choice, then this cooperative um, model is the only one to go with. Yes. And, and, and and again and again the the the, the, the part that we're doing is multi level. You know, there's there's an app for the there's an app for there's a B two B business to business app where. The businesses are talking to each other, doing all that. And then there's the consumer app as well. Like you and I would do it. We have Amazon app on our phone. You have the direct co-op um, app on your phone. And you go, you look, you say, look, I'm looking for lampshades. Go lampshades in your world. You know, Ted's in, in Kensington Market has lampshades. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order lampshades. Boom. Blah, blah, blah. We get it delivered to the local driver. There you go. Yeah, it's it's the way to go. And you know, with ninety seven percent of Americans being employed by small business, if we don't protect that and create a level playing field, then you know the the big guys they are going to do. And we we've, you know, we see the stories all the time of mm-hmm. how Amazon and Walmart and all the big box uh, employers. Uh, how they treat their employees and, and some of the yeah, stories none, are alarming. Yeah, not not only that when they go to make big stuff again, nobody's going to get, nobody's going to fault industry. Not um, 
people that I work with would probably would probably be mad at me for that. But um, Walmart will come in, and they've got a huge PR firm, and Walmart will come in and say, Walmart's putting a, um, a what do you call it a, what do you call it, satisfaction center, whatever they're called, um, fulfillment center. So Walmart's putting a fulfillment center in doing blah, 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 this area, and it's going to employ a thousand people. Uh, yeah, and it's going to take 5,000 people out of the small and medium-sized markets because they're there. Because Amazon is materialized and people go, oh, around the corner. So, yeah, sure, there's 1,000 employees. And then, so that's your, your net minus 4,000 4, employees. That's how that would work. Yeah, and then and you look and go, okay, where are those 4,000 people going to work? And mm-hmm. as we see with... You know, the economy, as we see with evolution of jobs and all kinds of different things, you know, not all those jobs are going to be replaceable. And right. you're going, okay, now what? You know, yeah. where are these people going to work? And it's, yeah, it, that's why I'm a strong, strong believer in, in the work that you're doing on this. It's, it's amazing. So you've got another adventure. I mean, you, you've got a ton of adventures. I know you, um, but you know, you, you got another adventure that's in, in the cannabis space. So let's chat about that for a bit. Okay. Um, we, uh, okay. <laughs> the person whose name shall not be mentioned. <laughs> um, I was, uh, I invested a lot of my, I shouldn't say, let me take that back, I withdraw. I loaned a lot of my money to this person. It was never an investment. I loaned a lot of money. It was a guaranteed rate of return, as did a number of other people. Um, to, 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 to be guaranteed a return on, of, of investment on a certain percentage, meaning you have it and then I'll give it back to you with this interest rate. Um, those who know about uh, client service charges, it would be a five-year term. So if you took your money, wanted your money out, um, the first year, you would take 5% out of whatever you get. Next year, 4%, three, two, one, until after five years, there was zero declining service charges. That's what it would be. Uh, and in the meantime, you're accruing interest and in all these other things. Well, along the way, the cannabis industry became of interest to this person. And they saw it as an opportunity and they were advocates of it, as many people were, not just because we get high, but because of the medical side of it, because it's, I mean, literally cannabis can change the world and I'm not going to get on some some weird kind of, uh, um, you know, pro-cannabis, yeah. yes, of course, I mean, cannabis is a wonderful thing that can help people and, and, and change moods and, and give people appetites when they have chemo and there are all kinds of wonderful benefits for it, besides people like it gets to get high. Um, so he decided that he would start going around the world, um, establishing himself, uh, in this industry. Uh, and I was along for the ride because I had so much writing on it, uh, until eventually a wall was hit where, um, we, we had to separate, we had to split. Difference of opinion. And what ended up happening along the way was a number of people liked me, didn't like them or him. And so they asked me if I would pick up the slack and I would get involved with it. So from a distance, I knew everything. And then all of a sudden, I was thrust into it. You want to, we trust you, which is wonderful. Um, you think you're, you're smart, you know about the business, blah, blah, blah. So 
All of a sudden, now I have a partnership. I have a partnership with um, a, a, a grower um, in Jamaica, a Canadian guy who's got a huge farm, got a huge castle uh, in Jamaica, in St. Mary Parish, uh, high above Ochoa's. Um, he's established himself with the Jamaican people because he employs um, hundreds of locals. Um, he's worked with the government for nine years now. He's a wonderful relationship with the government. And so myself and these other people that I trust decided that we would partner with him. So my company called Trellis Canna is the retail wing of a company called Castle Black Cannabis. And so we're opening up retail stores in Jamaica. Uh, the one thing that I did notice, and people will get mad at me, the horrible thing that happened in Canada with respect to cannabis companies and, and the legality was it turned out to be another commodity. And, and a lot of this, these people put money into it going, yeah, cannabis, yeah, cannabis. And the stocks were pumped up and pumped up and pumped up and then just took a kick it. And all, all these people just you know, lost so much money. And so the, the taste that was left in people's mouths was cannabis industry is not to be trusted with stocks. And so we're not doing that. We're, we're, opening, we're opening cannabis stores in Jamaica. Uh, we're going to have seven in all. Then we're going to roll it out through the Caribbean. And then we're going to go global distribution of, of this product. Um, you know, medical around the world because you, you can't really export uh, recreational. It'll be a while before that happens, but many countries want the medical side of it and they're, and they're, already, they're already legally allowed to uh, import it. So we're lining all that up. That's really kind of early, but um, I will plug when I'm, 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 I've got, I'm raising, I'm raising capital for this uh, Trellis Canada right now. Um, and I will plug a Trellis Canada trelliscanna.com is my website. So I'm raising capital now so we can do all this stuff. Eventually it'll be international, global. Um, but I, I didn't see myself in this business as much as I'm an advocate of people using cannabis for its benefits and all those other things. I never saw myself <laughs> trying to become a leader in it and I'm not. I'm quietly in the background doing doing what I, I think is possible and was right with a great partner in Jamaica. So um that's it. That's my that's my 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 space in it. We're not. Eventually, we will get into Canada eventually. But Canada, Canada, the Canadian space is so. I'm just not sure about it. You know, it's just hard. It's it's just hard because the, the taste that's left in people's mouths is that they're going to get ripped off somehow. So I don't trust it at this moment. Yeah, and the regulations and everything that they did yeah. um, made it really problematic for a lot of a lot of players. Well, to, one thing, yeah, one thing, one thing, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to throw out there is that in Canada we didn't embrace the black market, gray market guys. They were just left out in the cold. The guys, the guys who've been doing it illegally for decades and decades, know how to do it, and you know, and sustain the industry and all that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Some of them went to jail and all those things. They weren't even embraced in Canada illegal, which was a real crime. But in Jamaica, Jamaican government, knowing how many farmers, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of farmers that would make a living growing cannabis and selling it, um, they embraced them. They said, as long as we can make you legal, as long as you can comply to the standards that we need, we will um, bring you in. 
we will you will be part of it. So this company, Castle Black, that I'm dealing with, is working something called the um, it's called the uh, um, Alternative Development Program. So the guy who has a farm, we go to him with our clones because they're registered, they're they're tracked and traced. They you know they're, they're the tracking and tracing system they have. We give them the clones, they plant them, they grow them. We come and we harvest them under strict rules, strict regulations, so it's all legal. We bring them back to the castle, we process their food, and, but when we take out the plants that are grown, we give them new clones. So they're constantly doing what they're, what they're doing. We, they have a place to sell their stuff, which is to us. We process it and turn it into oil and ship it around the world. And all of a sudden, the, the, the gray and black market farmers are part of the legal system. Great tax basis for Jamaica which they never did before. They're making guaranteed money. They don't have to worry about selling it because we're buying it instead of some guy grabbing a bag and going on. I'm sure, I don't know if you smoke pot, but you know, guys running on the beach with these bags of sticks going, want to buy some pot? And those days are over. They're, 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 they don't do that anymore because it's legal in Jamaica. You can carry two ounces of pot on anybody who lands there. So, you know, there's, there's an expectation now. And, and Canada was the start of it, but you know, you don't you, you don't have to go to some seedy place. You 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 kind of expect to have like uh, I hate to plug them, but it's like a Starbucks where you go and get your pot. I mean, something something where you you know what you're getting. There's a quality. There's a standard. You don't have to worry about that stuff. So you know that's what they're doing in Jamaica. That's what we're doing in Jamaica. That's amazing work, and you know, I, I, you know, I, I think back to a couple quick stories before we wrap things up. One, um, my neighbor growing up, um, Jim Kennedy, um, little feisty Irish guy, um, worked for the electric company and came down with cancer, and you know, the doctor said, "Well, you got." if you're lucky, 18 months to live, but he prescribed a medical marijuana, and this is in the early 80s, so mm-hmm. long time ago. Jim lived 12 years. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And you go. it's because, yeah. I mean, there's studies and, and then that the thing of it is now that it's being legalized, you know, there's more studies going into it and, you, and there's no shortage of benefits from, you know, from asthma, stress management, aches and pains, the, the opioid crisis. If people would have been on that stuff, you know, um, McKinsey and company would have had have a scratch, a check for almost a billion dollars to co- for their part in the pimping of opioid drugs. So all of them, there's an endless line of the benefits of it, you know, and yeah. it's, uh, you know, it, it, from inflammation, I go on and on and on. So, you know, I'm, I'm a strong believer in the product and it, it's, uh, the, and again, much like what you're doing with the co-op, you're being methodical and you're like, here's this and this and this. You're not, you're not doing what Target did when they came to Canada and just yeah. opened way too many stores a quick and, and no one wanted to shop there because the prices weren't American prices. They were Canadian prices and they didn't have any inventory. It was like, bu- there should be business books on how not to launch a product and, and Target's Endeavor in Canada should have been listed there. So, um, and then the other story too, and I don't know why this came to mind, but um, it's regarding my grandma and my uncle and my cousin, um, you know, they used to smoke pot and not for medical purposes. And my grandmother had found a couple of joints that my uncle thought he hid really well. And she got mad at him. So what she did is she took the marijuana out. I'm assuming she smoked it, but I, She's gone. I can't confirm that. But she replaced it with oregano. And 
I can't imagine the reaction after the first couple of puffs, what that must have been like. But I, every time I think about that, that idea comes in from time to time. It's rare, but I, for some reason it popped in. So I thought I'd share it with the world. So uh, one, one last thing. It's funny. Sure. Um, we obviously, you know, we're not on the phone all the time, but we have, um, we have a, like a WhatsApp group and, and, you know, we see a news store, whatever the case, people share with our group. And there was one the other day about, about, um, you know, opioids, et cetera. And, uh, and, and I shared it and the response immediately independently of it, like, that's why we're doing what we're doing. You know, that, you know, it was like, it was so strong. See, this is another reason why we're doing what we're doing is because of that. Uh, yeah, bravo guys. Yeah, no, it's, it's good stuff. So Steve, I've loved our conversation today. I um, love the work you do. Big, been a big fan for a long time. And I'm, I'm thrilled that you're, um, you know, doing things now, you know, to make this world better in, in a variety of different ways. So thank you again for being on the show. Thank you very much. And again, just because I caused so much evil in the past, that's why I have to do this now. <laughs> I'm making it up for evil time. There you go. Okay, sir. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.